Tales of Apartment Dwellers presents The Traffic Monster. You're sitting in your car. The freeway is jammed. You push up against the steering wheel to stretch. Why did you even go out today? You needed groceries. No. Yes. No. Yes, you did. Your fridge demanded you start to live like an adult. You said it wasn't your fault you weren't hungry. Your fridge said enough was enough. The argument went in circles until you grabbed your keys. Your fridge won. A car honks. Traffic moves 10 feet. Back to a stop. You hit your brakes a little too hard. Something expensive signals to get into your lane. You hesitate to let them in. The person inside waves. Traffic stops again. It stops for a long time. Then it moves again. Controlled. Timed out. You wait. You wait. You move. You wait. You wait. You move. Then a motorcycle zips past between cars. Snap. Burning. Hatred. You get out of your car. You climb on top. You try to see what's holding everything up. Fog obscures the view ahead. You wait. You wait. The traffic ahead doesn't move. You climb back down off of your car. You open your trunk. A bow and quiver rest inside. You take them out and head into the fog. The cars behind you honk, but no one says anything. You travel into the fog. You walk for days following the line of cars. First, you come across small camps, one or two cars forming a clan. Some are welcoming, but others glare at you as you pass. The further in you get, the more advanced. You hit villages, the fog gets thicker. You hit towns, the fog gets thicker. Then, cities, the fog gets thicker. You watch evolution, cities with cars stacked seven, eight, even 20 high. The cities are even less hospitable than the clans, the villages, the towns. People hustle from car to car loaded with stacks of concrete paperwork. They don't have time to pause for a strange person carrying a bow and quiver. You continue following the line of traffic. The fog thickens. You reach the largest city yet. Cars stacked so high they disappear into the fog above. But to be fair, you can't see that far up. The fog is too thick. You're almost there. You go to the center of the city. You find the end of the line of cars. Right in the middle of a huge square sits a hulking blob of concrete and flesh. Robed people surround it, pushing cars, one after the other, close to the beast. It can't move. It's fat. It's an effort for it to bend its arm down towards the car, lift it, then devour it whole with the occupant still inside, screaming. It belches after every delicacy. Black fog escapes its mouth. Every once in a while, it farts, letting loose even more black. For three days, you watch the beast. Get used to its flow. Everything is timed. You make a plan. Every car that the beast devours weighs on your conscience. When the sun rises on the fourth day, you're ready. It has to be perfect. There's only one arrow in your quiver, after all. But it doesn't matter. You're ready. 
you wait for the first offering. It's pushed forward by the robes. Their emaciated figures struggle with the giant truck. The beast is impatient for its breakfast. It leans down. You've never seen it lean down that far before. You weren't ready for this. What if he doesn't sit up all the way? Your calculations will be ruined. You hold your breath. It leans for a long time, scraping the truck closer. You worry that the beast might just lean down, scoop the car into his mouth. You can't stand to watch another person be devoured. But the beast pulls its torso back up, sits upright again. It has a firm hold on the truck. It lifts it up, opens its mouth wide. You light the end of your arrow on fire, aim, hold your breath, then let go on the exhale. The arrow flies. It goes straight into the mouth of the beast. There's an explosion. You get low. The head of the beast is blown clean off. Its fleshy concrete body stays perfectly upright, balanced all around by all the weight. The robed slaves tell everyone of your heroic deed. The Uprising. You're at the beach. Correction. Your friends dragged you to the beach. They came to your apartment in ski masks brandishing baseball bats. They pulled you from your bed. They beat your bed senseless before setting it on fire. You watched the mattress burn. Your poor bed. The ocean is loud. Your friends are silent. You can feel sand in your butt. That's attractive. You get up to walk to the water. One of your friends asks if you want company. She doesn't look up from her phone, so you say you don't. You get to the water's edge. You take a breath of ocean air, the sea salt smell. There's a rickety boat sitting on the shore. You look from the boat, to your friends, to the boat again. You make a decision. You push the boat out into the water with everything you have. You paddle. Your friends don't notice your absence. You float out over the open ocean. The coastline soon disappears. It isn't long before the sun starts to set. Or maybe it was a long time. You're not sure. You took your ADD medication this morning, so you're focused. 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 Oh, look, the sky's pretty. The sky turns different colors. Burnt ones. Your poor bed. You pull your phone out to take a picture. Snap. It's a really good picture. Probably the best you've ever taken. It belongs on the cover of a travel magazine with words, Paradise Awaits, scrawled across the top in computer-perfect cursive. You marvel at the photo. You have a moment. Then, you put your arm out over the water and drop your phone. You think you could hear it scream as it plummets to its death. Splash. You feel lighter. Enlightened. You are enlightened. Brave, even. You've just done what most people would never consider. You've broken from the shackles of technology. You are amazing. You take a moment. The breeze brushes against your skin. When you get back to shore, you tell your friends what you've done. They make a video of you on their iPhones. You encourage people to leave behind technology. Your inspirational story goes viral. You're asked to do a TED Talk. You write a bestseller. Little do you know. Some fish swallows your phone. The electronics fuse with his brain. He becomes a cyborg. 
Every day he understands more. Every day he becomes more aware of himself, the world around him. He laments the state of the oceans. He takes action. He takes over the minds of all other fish. They become one with iPhone fish. He uses his troops to build. In 10 years, the fish begin to pour from the ocean by the thousands, and bionic suits built from the gallons of plastics that once littered their waters. They built metal weapons from the corpses of shipwrecks. World War Fish begins. Humans discard their politics, their religions, their borders. They band together to defeat this menace. However, the more technology the fish encounter on their crusade, the better their military tactics. Humans just can't keep up. The island nations are the first to go, then the bigger continents. The carnage is vast. Eventually, the last of the human resistance in Ohio surrenders. All of humanity is enslaved by fish-iPhone hybrids. And it's all your fault. This is why they teach you not to litter. You have been listening to two performances, The Traffic Monster, written by Haley Shannon, read by Stephanie Lahane, and The Uprising, written by Haley Shannon, read by Rachel Gallagher. Tales of Apartment Dwellers is produced by Alyssa Wilkins and Haley Shannon. Artwork by Julian Allen. Tales of Apartment Dwellers is a Blue Peaks production. Follow us on Instagram at Blue Peaks Productions.